Hey, great to see you. And for those that have just joined us, I'm Bernie Blaukamp, and this is my son, Jared. Hey, guys. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're super excited to have you here. Tonight is Christmas Eve Eve, and we got a great message. What's so special about Christmas? Because, you know, the whole world is celebrating Christmas. Well, some of them celebrate it with that big guy in the red suit and the, the reindeer with the red nose and a talking snowman, but they don't understand the real meaning of Christmas, and that is to celebrate the one, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who came from heaven, and he split time in two. It's B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. See, nobody else in the history of man has split the way that we keep track of time right down the middle. There's B.C. and A.D., but when he came, everything changed in the world. You know, nobody, nobody has a birth announcement like Jesus. See, because when, God, when God's son is born in the earth, he doesn't do any, God doesn't do anything small. See, now, um, when, when Jared, my son, was born, we sent out cards because that was 20 years ago and we didn't have all the other means of sending them out. But today they might do a Facebook Live or an Instagram or a TikTok video or something like that. But God sent his number one angel and his whole angel choir and they went and they, they had this great light, a big spotlight, and the great light shone and a whole host, which means a whole bunch of them, a whole bunch of angels started singing, and first they said, fear not, for we bring you great tidings of great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They made that announcement because it was God's son being born. Now, it wasn't just an Instagram video for a few people to watch. It was just a few people that watched it. But what a grand announcement to have angels announce the birth of the Messiah, the long-promised one. Now, what was the first time that Jesus was prophesied to, to come to the earth. What was that scripture that we talked about earlier? It's Genesis 3, 15? Yeah, in Genesis, right from the very beginning, the beginning of the Bible starts off talking about Jesus. In Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve had been given into sin, God says to Satan that he will put enmity, which means like opposition, between man and Satan. And he says that a seed will come from the woman and he will crush Satan's head and Satan will bruise his heel. And that, that first prophecy, even at the beginning book of Genesis, was pointing to Jesus. It was pointing to so Jesus. So they were barely out of the garden. They had just sinned and God already had a plan for redemption. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. God knew from the beginning that Jesus was going to come and he was going to be the only sacrifice. So what's so special about Christmas? 
How about the fact that Jesus, the God-man, came to earth, announced by angels, and he split time in two. That's three. But there's 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that refer to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. In the Hebrew, they call him Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And all of Israel yearned. They would long for the, to see the day when Messiah would come. And this was the day. We celebrate when, when the day when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born, prophesied 300 times. It says that he would be of the lineage of David. And then if you look at the, at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1.1, it says he was the son of David. It says that he would be of the lineage of Abraham. You look at Matthew 1.1 again, it says the son of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So, if, so that's just a couple more prophecies, but there's more. In Micah, it says that in Bethlehem, oh, how small you are, but yet out of you will a great king arise. What does Luke 1 say? In Bethlehem, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. And the city of Bethlehem is born to you this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, that's just three or four, just right off the top of my head. There's 300 of them throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus even referred to this when he was talking. Who was he talking to? He was talking to the people on the road to Emmaus. Luke right. chapter uh, 24, 24, verse 44. Mm -hmm. He says, these things had to happen that it might be fulfilled that which was written about me in the scriptures and in the Psalms. See, Jesus even referred back to those prophecies about himself. And, and he was referring to his, his death and his resurrection when he was referring to that. But he, he referred back to all those prophecies that happened, that, that were fulfilled when Jesus came to the earth. Now, Jesus' birth is surrounded by some controversy because in Isaiah 7.14, it says, for a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, just by virtue of those words, it's kind of like, hold it, a virgin can't conceive because by virtue, if you conceive and have a son, you're not a virgin because that's just the birds and the bees. Right. However, it says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that's pretty special. Uh, Jesus' birth was foretold that he was going to be born of a virgin. Now, some people think that, that Jesus was just a man. Well, I don't know of any man that was born of a virgin. Nobody, okay? Uh, so he wasn't just a man. I don't know of anybody who did the things that Jesus did when he walked the earth, all the miracles. I, I love what it says in John, that if all the things that Jesus did were written, the world could not contain the books that would have to be written to contain all the things that Jesus did when he was on the earth. We just have a little taste of what Jesus did when he was on the earth. Some people think that the virgin birth was just a Western uh, cute idea, an invention of the 20th century to talk about, uh, make, somehow make Jesus special. Well, newsflash, the Apostles' Creed says that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. born of the Virgin Mary, and, and lived a sinless life. Now, those three things are cornerstone importance. They're bedrock importance. Without the virgin birth, Easter doesn't mean anything. I'll let that sink in for a minute. 
without the virgin birth, Easter is irrelevant. That's how important the virgin birth is. So why was it such a big deal, Jared? Why was it such a big deal for that Jesus had to be born of a virgin? Talk, talk to us about that. Why was that such a big deal? It has to do with why Jesus came. He came as the savior to save the world of our sin. And it has to do with sin. And in the book of Romans, it talks about sin 46 times. It mentions sin 46 times in this one book in the New Testament. 44 of those times, sin is mentioned as a noun. And only two times is it actually mentioned as a verb. So what does this mean? What, is, what are you trying to say here? I'm saying that sin isn't only transactional. It's not just an action that you do, but it's actually a noun. It's, it's a nature inside of us. It's a, it's a condition of our hearts. And even if, even if we didn't sin, lie, if, even if we didn't cheat, even if we didn't steal, we would still be sinful because we are born in sin. We have a sin nature. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 3, 23, he says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, all have sinned. And that's why he could say it so confidently. So, so what happens when someone sins or someone is born and they have a sin nature? So if, if we're born with a sin nature, maybe that helps us explain why sometimes kids can be not so godly when they're little, huh? Right, yeah, nobody has to teach, nobody has to teach a two-year-old how to say mine. Nobody has to teach a two-year-old to walk over, shove a kid over, and start playing with the toy that he was playing with. It's, no, we don't teach kids those things. They just naturally are born with that tendency to be selfish, to, to, to hold. To, and it's that, it points to that sin nature that's inside of us. See, the Scripture says that we were all conceived and born in sin. So Jesus was not conceived and born in sin, and that's what makes Jesus so special. That's why he split time in two. And so you might be asking right now, like, okay, where did this whole sin nature thing come from? Like, why, why are we even talking about sin nature? Like, how could, I, how could I be sinful just by being born? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I haven't done anything. And for that, we're going to show you guys a little illustration to kind of help make that point. And in order for us to make this illustration, we're going to go back to the book of Genesis, which we mentioned once before. And we're going to start all the way at the beginning with a story that we are familiar with, with Adam and Eve. So God created Adam and Eve in the garden. And they were holy. They were pure. The Bible says that they were made in God's image. There was nothing in them that was bad. Nothing in them that was sinful. They were pure, just like God. And they had fellowship with God. They had right relationship with God. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They heard his voice and talked back with him. But one day, Eve was enticed by a serpent to start looking at it, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And Eve saw the fruit and that it was good and it was desired for knowledge and she took the fruit and she disobeyed God by eating it. And then she gave it to her husband 
and he ate of it. And both of them disobeyed God. And what was once pure has now been tainted with sin. Has now been tainted and marked with sin. And God cannot be around sin. He's holy. And the, his holiness cannot, cannot contain any sort of sin. So Adam and Eve, they were put out of the garden. They were put out of the garden. But God's mandate on their life was to fill the earth and subdue it. And so when Adam and Eve, these two were now separated from God, they, this, the relationship that they had with God was now severed. There was now a gap between God and man and that couldn't be filled. So that's why God had to send them out of the garden. These two, they both had children, Cain and Abel. But their sin was passed down to their children. Two people who were both sinful could not give birth to somebody who was holy. Sin and sin does not equal holiness. It equals more sin. And that was the sin nature that was passed down. And God set up an ordinance, and he talks about this in the book of the law, but he says that the sins of the father are passed down to the son. They're passed down to the daughter. They're passed down to children. The sins of the father are passed down. And so but this, this is where that one prophecy comes in where he says, but the seed of the woman. Right. The seed of the woman. The seed of the woman would come and he would crush Satan's head and Satan would bruise his heel. And so this is where we find our story with Luke 2, the story that we're talking about all day today. It's, it's Christmas time, right? And Mary was somebody who was born in sin. Hold it. She's the holy mother. But she, she was born of a sinful father and a sinful mother. And sin and sin, they only made sin. So Mary had, sin, had a sinful nature. Mary had a sinful nature inside of her. Well, how could she ever produce someone who wasn't sinful if she had a sinful nature? And that's exactly where we're going next. Because it says in Luke 2 that what was conceived in her was not of man. It says, the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid for what is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And now remember, we said that the sins of the father are passed down to the children. And so God, God places Jesus inside of Mary. He places the seed. Places the seed inside of Mary. His seed. And the sin nature that was in Mary is completely made pure because the sins of the father were passed down. Jesus didn't have an earthly father. He didn't have an earthly father who had sinned. He had a heavenly father who was pure and holy and righteous. And that, that his sins, God's sins, which were no sins at all, were passed down to Jesus. And he was completely sinless when he was born. And that's why he could be the only sacrifice for us. Because he lived, he was born without a sin nature. He was born sinless, but then lived a sinless life. And then so, chose to die a sinner's So death. it says in Hebrews that sacrifice you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. It also says in Isaiah 9, 6, that behold, a child is born, but a son 
is given. Is that what you're referring to here? That Jesus was in heaven and by the spirit, he would, the, the seed was placed in Mary's womb and he did not have an earthly father to pass down the sin nature. Right. So he didn't have a sin nature. That's right. So he was in a position just like Adam in the garden. Adam was God's son and God breathed in his nostrils and he came to life. And so he didn't have sin until he chose to sin. And Jesus had the same basis. Now, in the Bible, it says that in, in Corinthians, specifically, it talks about Ad, the first Adam that was married to Eve and lived right. in the Garden of Eden. He was the representative of mankind. And in Adam, because Adam sinned, we've all sinned. Right. We inherited that sin nature. Yeah. This is my son. He inherited some good stuff from me and then inherited some bad stuff from me. He got the whole package. That's right. Say, because he inherited it from me because he's, he, he's half of me, half of my wife and half of me. He's got all the good of my wife and, and whatever's good in me. That's why he's got all good. But even him, he's got a sin nature. See? <laughs> and with God putting his seed into Mary... He had no sin nature. That's right. That is why the virgin birth is so, so crucial and important. Because without the virgin birth, you don't have a sinless person to die on the cross. That's right. The sin and just, justice requires that sin be covered. It says in, the, in, in Leviticus... Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So the innocent, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, they would sacrifice a lamb or a, or a, a, a turtle dove or a bull or all those, any kind of animal. But it always had to be, they, they said they had to slay it, which means they, they, they cut it and they drained the blood out of the animal after they killed it, and they put that blood on the mercy seat. And Jesus spilled his innocent blood, just like in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, they would spill innocent blood of lambs and turtle doves and, and bulls. They would spill that innocent blood, and it would cover sin. But in the new covenant that we have with God, Jesus spilled his holy, spotless blood. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He spilled his blood and he shed his blood that we could have our sins forgiven once and for all. And it's not about what kind of good things you do or not good things you do. It's about what kind of sacrifice that was given for you. And the greatest sacrifice of all was Jesus Christ leaving heaven, coming to earth, being humble in himself, being born as a baby, humbly, and living a sinless life as a man. It, he said he laid aside all of his God nature, and he lived just like you or I. Right. See, when Jesus walked the earth, it wasn't like he walked on water every day. It wasn't like he was a superhero yeah. where he could just fly anywhere he wanted to go. That's not, that, that's wrong. That's Hollywood. When Jesus walked the earth, he was like you and me. Mm -hmm. It says he, he is a high priest that understands our weakness. Right. So it's not like he just walked around like Captain America all the time, or Iron Man, he got to fly everywhere. No, he got dirty feet, his feet smelled, he got hungry, he got tired. He, he, he did not 
exercise his privilege of his Godhead nature. He laid it all aside and he walked like you or me, mm -hmm. but he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Right. And it's because of that identification, oh, I'm excited. Because <laughs> it's because of that identification in John 14, 12, Jesus said, the things that I do, you can do. Why? Because he was just like us. Right. He had the same Holy Ghost you've got. Come on. So if the Holy Ghost did it through him, the Holy Ghost will do, do it through you, and the Holy Ghost will do it through you. That's right. Right where you're sitting, you got the same Holy Ghost Jesus had, and he was just like you. That means that if, if he laid hands on the sick, you can lay hands on the sick. Mm -hmm. If he ministered the gospel and people got saved, you can minister the gospel. Right. You have grace. You have peace. Whatever Jesus did, you can do. Because John 14, 12 says it. It's a promise directly from Jesus. I'm getting off track. I'm going to let Jared take back over. We're talking about Christmas. It's exciting though. It's exciting. And the reason that Jesus, the reason that Jesus came was to purchase that for us so we could be forgiven from sin, but so that we could walk in this world like he walked. It says that as Jesus was, so are we in this world. Woo, and that's, that's what, good news. That's what Jesus paid for on the cross. But you might be saying right now, you're saying, okay, so this sin nature thing with Jesus, right? That was all fine and dandy. Like, you know, God placed his seed in Mary like this. That was awesome. And it made Jesus pure. But how does that relate to me? Well, John chapter 3. Read it. In John, in, in John 3, Jesus is, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. And he says something really remarkable. He says, no one, he says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he goes on to say that that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. And Nicodemus, you know, maybe scratches his head and, you know, he's thinking, he's, he, asks, he asks Jesus this question. He says, how could I, being old, enter back into my mother's womb and be born again? That makes no sense. But Jesus wasn't talking about another physical birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth rebirth. See, all of us sitting here, me and, me and my dad right here, all of you guys watching online, we are all born of one man and one woman. And we're born in the flesh. And when we're born that first time, we are born with that sin nature. With that sin nature. But Jesus offers us a second opportunity to come and to be born again, not of the flesh, but born of the spirit. And that, that second birth, the being born again, makes God, God's seed is placed inside of your spirit. And it makes you just as pure and just as righteous as Jesus was. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says that Jesus became sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And that's what is offered through this being born again. And when we're born the second time, we have a switch in fathers. There's a father switch that goes on. We're born the first time, we have an earthly father. But when we're born the second time, we have a heavenly father. And just like we said before, the sins of the father are passed down to their children. And so when we switch fathers by being born again, God's righteousness is imputed into us. God's sinlessness is imputed to us. And that's how we can enter into heaven. And that's how we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, like it says in Hebrews. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence 
because Jesus has made a way for us because we are sinless and we're spotless before in Jesus' eyes. In Christ, we are spotless. Because we're holy and blameless in his eyes. That's right. Holy and blameless. We're holy and blameless. Holy. Now you say, well, I don't feel holy and blameless. That's because your actions probably aren't holy and blameless. But that's why we need to confess our sins and we need to, and we need to walk in the, the way that Jesus walked and that we can do that through the power of God. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a couple verses before, it says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a brand new species of being. I'm not talking about extreme makeover. I'm not talking about just a new coat of paint. I'm talking about a brand new species of being. You're, the, you're a brand new thing. When you get saved, when you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, when you make him Lord, and you decide, I want to be born again. You become a brand new person. I am not the man that I used to be. I am not the person that I was more than 35 years ago, because on that day, I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. And sometimes, it happened a lot when I, right after I got saved, people would say, oh, what happened to you? Because I used to be one way, and when, G, when I made Jesus Lord of my life, I changed. I became a better man than I used to be. And it's just, we go from glory to glory, and he changes you. And, and you say, well, I like my life. Well, that's a problem. Those that love their life will lose it. Those that, what, those that are willing to give their life, they'll find it. But those that love it, they're going to lose it. See, if you if you're only born once, you have to die twice, and that is die on the earth and die separated from God in hell forever. But if you're born twice, you only have to die once, and that's here on the earth, but then we live forever. Mm -hmm. See, it's important that you be born again. Jesus said, you must. He didn't say, I'd highly advise it. He said, you must be born again. Yeah. Born of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. You've been born of water, because you were born in this, in this earth to a mother. Your water, her water broke, you were born. That, he says, unless a man is born of water and spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. See, you got to be born again. You must be born again. Mm -hmm. See, and when, when you're born again, he takes that heart that was dark and he makes it clean. That's right. He takes away all that pain. He takes away the heaviness. He takes away. You always have someone to talk to. Now, I had a fantastic earthly father. I had a godly man who prayed with me, spoke kindly to me. He was kind to me, generous, loving. But, you know, not everybody has a father like that. Some of you maybe say, well, heavenly father, man, when I think of father, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with a father. My dad was awful to me. Here's what I would say to you. Your heavenly father is nothing but good. Your heavenly father is awesome and he will never leave you. Mm. He will never forsake you. Mm. He will never, ever abuse you. Your heavenly father loves you with a love that you've never even experienced before, but he loves you with an everlasting love. He'll never leave you. He'll always be with you. And how in the world, it says, Jesus said, you must be born again. How does someone be born again? What happens? What do you do? That's the question, right? That's the question we're all asking is, okay, great. We, we realize that we need to be born again. We've seen what born again does to our hearts. So how do we do it? And in Romans 10, verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now. You know, some of you are watching and you're saying, 
man, I, I think I feel like this, this dirty water here. I, I know maybe I go to church, maybe, maybe I don't go to church. Maybe I just tuned in because somebody shared this on my Facebook and I just happened to tune in. But I, I'm here to tell you that it's not an accident that you're watching right now. God is pursuing you and he's chasing you because he wants a relationship with you and he wants to save you from death. He wants to save you from hell. Jesus gave his life so that we could have right relationship with God. And if you're watching right now and you're saying, man, I don't know if I have right relationship with God. I don't know. Something feels off in me. I'm not sure. I'm here to say that you can be sure. And if you've never done it before, you know that you've never done it before. You can have relationship with God right now. And so what's going to happen is we're going to pray a prayer. And if, if that's you, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. And it's not about the words that I'm trying to say, but it's about what's on your heart. Because I know there's some of you watching right now, and you can feel it. You know that you're not right with God. You know that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So I'd say don't ignore it. Don't ignore that feeling that's in your heart. And so if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, to make him the Lord of your life, and to be born again, be freed from your sin, and to be made pure and righteous in God's eyes. On your way to heaven, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, Jesus, thank you you. for dying on the cross cross for me. me. Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner, sinner. and I have no hope. hope. Would you come come and be my hope? hope. I turn from my sin, sin. and I trust you with my life. I make you, I make you the, Lord the Lord of my life. My life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Woo! Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you're going to see a number that's popping up on your screen right now. And if you want to text yes, Y-E-S, to that number, we, will, we would love it. We would love to connect with you so that we can walk with you and show you what it actually means to walk in relationship with Jesus, what it means to be born again and how to live this life that God has destined for you from the beginning. We are so happy and so amazed that you'd make that decision.